0: This is CAA On Air. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the next edition of CAA On Air, the podcast from the Civil Aviation Authority. We uh, have an innovation theme today. We've got quite a few guests to uh, fit into the program and to help us do it. Um, I'm Jonathan Nicholson from the communications team. And today to help us, I'm also joined by Nathan Lovett from the communications team.
1: Hi there. Looking forward to it.
0: So today we're focusing on what is, um, I guess, one of the most important topics for the future of unmanned aircraft and the the greater air traffic system, I guess. uh, And that's unmanned traffic management or, as lots of people refer to, UTM. We do love our acronyms in aviation as I say although primarily it's looked at and spoken at from a, an unmanned or drone perspective it does have huge implications for all areas of traditional aviation and air traffic control and some of our guests later on will we'll talk about, about that as well. So initially we to help us sort of get our heads around what UTM is we're joined by James Bell who's acting innovation strategy lead in our reasonably new innovation team. We keep saying new innovation team but it's been around for a year now Uh, so Nathan and I will be talking to uh, James then later on we're joined by Mark Westwood one of our guests from Connected Places Catapult and also another Mark Mark Watson from NATS, the air traffic control body or ANSP um, as technically they're known so James welcome now anyone who sort of hangs out, if that's the right word, with the drone community, particularly the mm-hmm. commercial drone community, uh, for any length of time, you come across people mm-hmm. talking about UTM and going, this is going to be the game changer. This is going to be amazing. They put it in the same kind of category as Beyond Visual Line of Sight as some of the things that will really unlock the future. But to those of us not quite sure, what, what is UTM in a mm-hmm. nutshell?
2: well wow, crikey. yeah so i mean utm itself as an acronym goes is unmanned aircraft systems that's the us u uh, traffic management so unmanned aircraft systems traffic management so essentially it's managing drone traffic but to be honest john it's um it's such a vast ecosystem that sometimes i even struggle to find a good way of really concisely describing it <laughs> but we'll we'll give it a go so so i guess utm is, is sort of made up of many connected digital services which help to manage the drone operations um, across uh, across all of their phases, so from pre-flight, during the flight, and then once the flight is completed. So there's a whole set of services that kind of map across those different stages that help you do that. We'll go into a bit more detail on those with, um, with uh, one of the marks later on. But essentially, you know, it provides these services, and to provide these services, you know UTM has this um, I guess, capability to bring together data from numerous sources. So it's a bit of a data aggregator. and as such, uh, you know it uses things like local airspace restrictions, um, it looks up weather conditions, air traffic, drone and operator registration insurance, and even sort of the ground-based information like where schools are and major roads and populated areas. And then it does all of that built upon a kind of core foundation, like a system architecture, which enables all of this data to be connected together and communicated quickly, securely and efficiently. And it's widely recognized. I think like you said, you know, UTM is absolutely will unlock the big full scale of drone operations in the future. Because it's I mean, primarily it's being designed with automation in mind, so the long-term goal is it's machine-to-machine managing drones. That is the long-term goal. I will add <laughs> that's not happening sort of tomorrow, but I think most importantly, from the CA's perspective, you know, it will enable drones to operate safely, efficiently, and economically within our airspace.
1: Hi, Jane. So, um, should we view UTM as a one-size-fits-all for, say, the whole country, or could we see various different interpretations depending on what the requirement is?
2: So, I guess I mean, there's a number of different views worldwide, um, but in practice, it can be many things. It's It's actually quite a flexible concept, and the way it's being designed is quite flexible. So, so it could be, you know, a single private network, if you like. Just for a specific purpose. So taking the the classic example of of drone deliveries, so a a sort of commercial package delivery, perhaps across a small town, you know, the UTM system would coordinate those flights of of multiple drones at a time for that company. Alternatively, it could be location specific. So perhaps controlling the access to low-level airspace um, over a a city or or even around an airport. Um, I mean, these are just some examples, but you know, in theory, it could be a nationwide, all-encompassing sort of coordinator of all drone flights, but this is, I think, probably less likely because of the the complexity and the sort of cost versus benefit on that. But I'd say, you know, above all, we need to make sure that whichever way it is implemented, um, that there's a sort of consistent approach uh, that considers all the necessary safety and economic factors.
0: Now, that that sounds very sensible, and and I, and I think I've heard other people talk about the. Chunky sort of separate it out rather than the initial kind of whole country thing. But when when I've heard people talk about UTM, they always talk about sort of big commercial operations drone users. Is is that really where, I and mean, if it is, that's great because that's one of the areas that we need to address, but is it really just for those big commercial operators or will we see UTM eventually drop down to be a useful everyday thing for smaller operators and even sort of enthusiasts?
2: No, it's a good question. I mean, there's well, we'll, we'll hear from the Connected Places Catapult later on. Um, they're going to talk to us, you know, really about that. Uh, the impact of UTM on the on the sort of drone market and for drone operators, um, but I think just I guess quickly, you know, it's, it's it's absolutely intended to support everyone. You know, as I said earlier, it's kind of flexible in its in its deployment and in its scale. So, I mean, I mentioned earlier there's um, you know digital services that UTM provides or that, that make up UTM. And for those large commercial operators, I mean, they could use the whole suite of services, you know, end-to-end supporting complex operations with many drones doing routine operations. This system would also need to be sort of integrated into their fleet management and into their business processes to make it really valuable for that big scale, if you like, bring the value to the commercial business. But then you kind of, I guess you go down the scale to the smaller commercial operator who still wants to make, you know, make money with drone services and for them, it, it kind of has the potential to improve the efficiency and the ease of operation, you know, with sort of repeatable and reliable functions. So things like flight planning, you know, it, it, it provides that sort of ability to do uh, flight planning on, a, on a, um, a sort of coordinated basis, I guess. So then, as you say, down to sort of the enthusiasts, it might just be to access the local weather that might impact your, you know, you want to go out and fly recreationally um, locally you know, access to weather, access to local airspace restrictions, so you can actually see whether you're allowed to fly. And, you know, for some, the systems will will probably be designed in the future so that it will just give you a yes or no indication of whether you can fly in that field or not, for example. Um, So it has a real potential to help improve the awareness of the important airspace and safety considerations for for someone who may not be as, you know, up to speed, if you like, or or, or if they with the language of, of aviation. I guess again, so the key thing is you know uh, regardless of the implement, implementation, um, UTM will provide that sort of increased safety and efficiency for for all users i guess
1: and we, we've mentioned that this will have impacts on the on the wider aviation industry, so what could UTM bring for them
2: so I, I guess, as I said earlier, you know UTM enables drones to be integrated safely into the sky, and that's that's the big sort of headliner. This can only really be achieved if there's an awareness of the position and movement of other airspace users as well. So, um, I mean, the CA has a, a vision uh, that's quite public, you know, that all airspace users are electronically visible. Um, and that's the sort of big long-term long-term goal. Um, UTM would firstly kind of help to make sure that, that drones are also visible to other traffic. So, you know, wherever it's necessary. And secondly, it would make sure that drones and manned aircraft don't come near each other by making sure that the, the drone traffic movements are commuted, communicated, sorry, through um, traditional air traffic services. Uh, and for example, flight plans—you know—at the stage where you may be a few weeks away from your, uh, you know, drone flight, or as a manned pilot from your your normal flight, you might submit a flight plan. And that that coordination will eventually happen in the background, so that um, your flight plan will get updated to say there's a drone there, or, or equally the other way around. So from the perspective of uh, the technology as well, there's also a large number of UTM services which could be sort of quite usefully used for manned aircraft. Um, so we'll hear from NAPS later, actually. Uh, they've already been using UTM technology to support manned aircraft and air traffic controllers. And I'm sure they'll go into that in more, more detail later. And I guess we expect to see air traffic, you know, traditional air traffic uh, management services being strongly influenced by UTM technology into the future. Um, and sort of heading towards that more digital and more automated um, system that I sort of described earlier.
0: It sounds then like we've got, uh, and very sensibly, a a lot of, different bits of the industry coming together here a lot of different bits of the aviation community and a lot of different services and systems coming together traditionally aviation is very much set on standards safety standards that are, are implemented sort of and, and people follow whose responsibility is it to set those standards is that something that we will do as a regulator or is it more that the the industry will drive it commercially come up with a set of you know potentially varied solutions but all trying to to fit together
2: i guess for any innovation uh this is the big question isn't it you know um what comes first regulation or the technology or the other way around and and i think we all tend to agree that technology typically leads regulation and standards Um, it's typically the driver and it's i mean it is absolutely up to industry to develop the standards and build and deliver the utm systems but there has to be some regulation to ensure that UTM is implemented and, and continues to operate in a safe way that is also fair for consumers. So in terms of delivering UTM, I mean, it's such a vast ecosystem that it's it's very much in uh, development at the moment as a, as a concept, and we're sort of still working on some of that uh, with industry. I mean, it would be impossible now to set the right regulatory framework right from the start, um, as I'm sure you can appreciate. I guess that's you know kind of why I'm here talking about it. In the, the CAA Innovation Hub, you could say that we've added the turbocharger, if you like, to the, the typical regulatory machine, the cycle of regulatory development, in the form of the regulatory sandbox. So this enables us to work really closely with both industry and the regulated parts of the CAA to make sure that... So I guess, I guess to you know, make educated assumptions about what the future regulatory framework might need to look like. Um, and we can do that fairly quickly. We can then implement uh, the sandbox, so that it enables um, industry to test those hypotheses in a safe space, uh, and that allows us to rapidly feedback evidence that they can generate within months or you know six months or whatever back into the policy and regulatory development. So, typically, there's a lots of consultations and things that happen, and and that's you know the perfect it's been, that's how regulation has developed you know for for, for decades. But you know, adding on that, I'd say the turbocharger of the sandbox. We hope that we can sort of speed that up. So. So um, to get back to your question, I guess, you know, we're, we're planning to set up that UTM sandbox to work with industry to sort of test those regulatory frameworks, um, see what works, see what needs adjusting, and then sort of iterate around that loop. Um, and then the industry can take that expertise and evidence gained from the testing to support the new standards for the whole sector.
1: I guess and staying on the subject of standards and how this is going to be. Supported and and organised, I and mean, we know that aviation is tra- traditionally an international industry. So, are we going to see countries working together on developing these standards and implementing
2: them? Absolutely, Nathan. I think it's it's this is a really really important point. Um, I mean, while we we could sit in isolation and develop a purely UK UTM system, uh, we would be cutting off you know any potential for say export of UK UTM expertise and services. And of course, there's lots of work going on around the world to nail down exactly what UTM is and how it works. So, the collaboration allows us to share the lessons we've learned and hence reach that point where we can start to realise the benefits of UTM much quicker. So, you know, the global collaboration um, is absolutely necessary to kind of really speed up this process. I mean, we've already seen some really, really great international collaborations on UTM. Um, So, Gutma great name, um, is the Global UTM Association and has been around for a number of years. It's been driving forward sort of collaboration in this area. Um, they hold conferences every year and, and include many of the stakeholders, which would be included in UTM, sort of the developers themselves, you know, to ATM experts, operators, regulators, etc. There's also things like the Single European Skies ATM Research Organization called CESAR. Um, they've managed a large number of collaborative trials over the last year across Europe and have published some excellent findings from these. Um, most recently, there's a, a report that's just come out. And, uh, of course, in the US, NASA and the FAA are, are really driving forward their research and, and demonstration of UTM. Um, and we're seeing bodies like the ASTM, which is a you know, US standards body, um, who are writing UTM standards and collaborating with the likes of Eurok in Europe, so another, another standards body, and others to make sure that the outputs are transferable to other nations as much as possible. So really enabling a lot of that, that sort of collaboration and forward movement.
0: It sounds like there's a huge amount of work going on here across the world, which kind of kind of brings us to the, like the billion-dollar question, which is, you know, everybody's sitting there, I'm sure, listening to this guy. oh, it sounds amazing, but when's it going to happen? When, mm. What kind of timetable are we looking at here to, uh, again, I, I guess that's going to be a phased implementation. There's going to be trials, I, I would think, but when, when are people going to physically see some kind of UTM in this country?
2: Well, I think yeah, absolutely, John. That's that is the good question, um, and I'm going to purposely avoid giving a very clear answer, <laughs> as with always. But I think there are some there are some basic services available now. There are sort of front-facing websites that you can go on and look at um, and see for yourself how this stuff works. Um, I think we'll we'll hear a little bit more about these later, but there's still a way to go. I think before we see more complex, you know, properly integrated UTM services in regular use. And I think it's these longer term milestones which will really be delivering true full benefits of UTM, say for those big businesses and the smaller businesses that I mentioned earlier. That said, I mean, I expect, you know, the pace of development is only going to increase over the next couple of years. Um, We're seeing a lot of effort going into the development of the system and sort of regulatory frameworks at the moment, alongside actual research and live testing. You know, we hope to join this effort shortly with our UTM sandbox, but we're also working with industry at the moment to understand what their roadmap is and what they want to achieve over the next few years so that we can help best support that um, in terms of sort of development and implementation. And then there's also the UK government's uh, future flight challenge, which is on the horizon, um, which will drive much of this forward because it's, it's a large part of what it's all about. So I think there's a lot that's going to contribute to this over the next few years and like i say i think that pace is going to accelerate
0: cool oh thank you for that james that's a that's a great intro to help us get our heads around what utm is um so we're going to talk to NATS in a minute and first connected places catapult just briefly where before we speak to those those two marks where where do those organizations Mm -hmm. fit into this into the picture
2: absolutely john so uh so, like you said, uh, Mark Westwood joins us from the Connected Places Catapult. He's been working with uh, UTM for a long time. Um, the you know, and, and the, the Connected Places Catapult previously the transport systems catapult, if people haven't heard of either of those, they've been working with industry to deliver a, a UK framework for UTM. So it's you know, our airspace is different, our airspace users are slightly different. So um adapting what those lessons learned from international research, you know, and, and applying those into the UK. So they're doing some really good work on that. Piece of work sponsored by the Department for Transport. Um, and he's going to give us more detail on how UTM could impact drone operators. And then Mark Westwood, sorry, Mark Watson from uh, NATS, he's our colleague from NATS. He's leading uh, the development of their role as an air navigation service provider. So your traditional air traffic management. They have a key role to play in making sure that UTM is developed in partnership with ATM.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, James. So uh, let's move on to the first of those, Marks. Then that's uh, Mark Westwood
1: from Catapult.
0: From air traffic zones to controlling drones, this is CAA On Air.
1: We're now going to look at what UTM means from the drone market perspective. Joining us now is Mark Westwood from Connected Places Catapult. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Can you talk us through what Connected Places is and what your role is there, and particularly what your interest in
3: UTM is? Well, yeah, and perhaps I'll just start with a, a quick word on the, the catapult network. So there are there are 10 catapults uh, in the UK, and it's probably, they're part of a network that's been set up by government uh, around where we see exciting new market opportunities. Um, and really, our role is to help the UK capture those exciting new market opportunities. Um, and as connected, uh, Connecting Places catapults, you know, we're looking at all different types of technology that can help transform the way we live, the places we, we work in, how we travel between them, um, and you know the, the overall impact on our daily life. And one of the areas that we've looked at over the last few years and identified as a, a significant global growth market is drones. And our work has started off um, looking at some of these, what I would describe as first-of-a-kind deployment of drones. And as the technology is developing, um, we're now increasingly looking at how we develop technology and support technology development to let the market grow at scale. And that's really where our interest in UTM comes in. And just to add that the, the, our catapult, like all the uh, catapult network, we're, we're, we're not actually, although we've been set up by government, we're not actually part of government. We are neutral, independent, non for profit, and it's our role really to grow the sector. So we work with uh, collaborators across the sector from you know, academia through into all different types of industry uh, and government itself. That's great. Thank you. And can you talk us through why UTM is important for the drone market? This really comes back to the challenge of scale up. So we already have um, quite a thriving drone sector here in the UK, and that's all, or the majority of that is uh, operators who are uh, operating visual line of sight. Now we see the the next big growth opportunity is moving to beyond visual line of sight, and that's gonna involve a, a much greater number of platforms. And traffic management system is a key tool
2: to enable us to scale that up safely. So Mark, um, it's great to hear about that uh, this, the scale up that you're talking about there, I guess, looking to the future, how will UTM affect uh, different types of drone users? Well, I mean, let's, let's you
3: know, start with the, the commercial operators um, first, Now, you, you know, I think what's really important for commercial operators are things like, you know, efficient operations, they know that to operate at scale, they need to be able to, you know, achieve transparency, efficiency, and, you know, they need to be able to interact with all the other users. And a UTM is a key tool to making that a commercially efficient solution. Um, and it's also a really important means for them to comply with whatever different types of regulation or different aspects of their, their process and their 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 safety um, processes, you know, to underpin all of those things and give them a a tool that helps deliver that efficiently. And then we've got, you know, other categories of users as well. So, you know, recreational users um, of which there are, you know, an increasing number, I'm sure we're all familiar with the platforms that you can, you know, the capability of some of these platforms that you can just buy in the shops these days, you know, and a, a UTM provides a range of different services that can help, you know, the gen, the, the, the hobbyist uh, use these, these things um, much more safely. And again, it's all around transparency. And then perhaps we might consider um, the public use of drones. There's lots of different uh, interesting and emerging examples of how drones can be used by the emergency services, for example. Now, a UTM, again, gives them a really key tool to help them use those systems safely, efficiently, and transparently. Great. So, a
1: lot of definite benefits in terms of the future of UTM. What does UTM mean right now in terms of? Are there any benefits for someone operating a drone within visual line of sight right now?
3: I think there's. Um, I think all the things we've, we've talked about um, just in, in that previous section around you know things like transparency, for example, is a is a benefit that's equally applicable to people that are operating um, visual line of sight. Um, having a consistent and reliable source of information for you know things like local airspace restrictions um, for any kind of traffic that might be operating in their area. You know some of the capabilities that um, people can access today through you know tools like the the drone assist tool that Nats provide. You know has some of the sort of cut down features of of a UTM. Um, so I think there's benefits not just for those that might wish to operate beyond visual line of sight also benefits for the um, visual line of sight operators and i think one thing we shouldn't lose sight of here as well is that the you know utm will be will be built with a you know a high degree of automation it's a it's a digitized system and it enables us to explore new ways to safely manage you know air traffic That will no doubt have significant rollover benefits into the um, the manned uh, traffic sector in the future as well.
1: That's great. Thank you very much for giving us a window into what this means for drones. Really appreciate your time on this and Thanks. thanks again for joining us. Thank you very much.
0: CAA on air. So traditionally, we think of aircraft in the sky being directly looked after by human air traffic controllers working for what we in the in the sort of industry refer to as air navigation service providers. Now, the UK's main one of those is our Air Traffic Control Body, NATS, um, but they also have a huge interest in in UTM and the future of UTM and how it gets developed. And, and I'm pleased to say we're joined by Mark Watson from NATS, who's one of the leading guys there on on what they're doing with UTM. Um, So, uh, welcome, Mark. Thanks very much for joining. So, from an ANSP perspective, tell us briefly what NATS does uh, generally and and then why you're really interested in in drones and UTM.
4: Hello, everybody. Um, Thank you, Jonathan. Um, Yes, thanks for the opportunity to speak today. So, um, many people would be familiar with the images of air traffic control control towers like at Heathrow and Gatwick and major airports and dealing with the business of getting aircraft onto the runway, off into the skies, and then back down again. But of course, um, it's much more complicated than that beyond the airports as a whole uh, airway structure, network, a route network that connects the world, uh, where air traffic controllers help keep aircraft safely apart and uh, navigating on the way to the destinations. So that's the sort of role broader than what um, the general public might think of us doing just at airports and um, where we extend our services to. Um, so the drones, why are they so important to us? Um, no one could have missed not only the bad news sort of stories that we might hear about drones, but no end of amazingly good news stories about um, uh, excellent uses of drones from the current circumstances under coronavirus and and drones for good for whether it be medical delivery services uh, or helping the vulnerable or great industrial and uh, industrial uses of infrastructure inspection and so on where you can take people out of harm's way and all of them are using that precious airspace that we've got around us Uh, so why it's important to us is to ensure we can help and play our part in continuing to keep that airspace uh safe because safe in everything we do uh safety is of course our number one priority not only with the existing airspace users the manned aviation commercial airliners general aviation and so on but also with these new uh airspace users of drone operators um so that's very much why we're interested in the emergence of drones and how we can play our part in helping establish that whole new uh, economy and all the benefits that it could bring to
2: society. Thanks for that, Mark. And you know, absolutely, we we totally agree that we need to make sure that drones are integrated in a really safe way. And so it's really good to hear that. I guess in terms of you know UTM, we've been we've been speaking through this podcast about the the background of UTM and some of those the fundamental aspects of what it means. But what does it mean for for NAPS?
4: UTM UAV Traffic Management, uh, Unified Traffic Management, traffic management of of things in the air, very much at the heart of what we do with air traffic management. So looking to see how the airspace with the increasing number of flying objects, whether they be drones, whether they be manned aviation, how the traffic management and coordination of all those uh, flying uh, activities take place and the safety that comes with it, that's very much... Uh, First and foremost, our interest. But along with that, with the modern modern digital economy, comes automation. And uh, most of these UTM solutions that are being proposed are automated-based solutions. How can we learn from that automation to help bring uh, the benefits of automation, whether it be uh, reduced workload or improved uh, repeatability and safety? How do we bring that automation into the uh, air traffic managed world? Uh, benefit that way as well not only in the benefits to the uh, flying drone uh,
0: side of the world. Thanks Mark uh, that, that makes sense absolutely to why an ANSP would be involved so um, we've been asking everybody the sort of 6 million dollar question about when you think some of these things might start to happen in the future and indeed what Nats is doing today to sort of get into that UTM world
4: Yeah that, that is indeed the main question isn't it And there's somewhat, um, not only is there a great demand, but there's certain constraints and certain safety situations that we need to get beyond, as well as societal acceptance, increased use of drones in our skies, above our houses, and and so on. So there's there's many um, dimensions to answer that question. But from from an air traffic perspective, one of the interesting aspects we see is there is demand out there. There's absolutely no end of innovative use cases for how drones can be used. I mentioned at the start about industrial uses where you're taking people out of harm's way, whether it be railroad inspections, uh, sorry, railway inspections, power line inspections. Uh, we're working with a supplier that's looking to fly offshore to oil rigs um, in support of the helicopter services that go out there, uh, helping to replace some of those sort of journeys. So Drones for good in that perspective are very much driving and a demand today. And of course, no one will have missed all the great applications for delivery at home uh, from the likes of Amazon and Google Wing and other delivery type companies. So that proposition in the future of home delivery within, let's say, 30 minutes of placing an order online, having having the the item that you've ordered delivered to your house by a drone and dropped into your garden all very compelling, all very future-sounding in some respects, but actually in operation in various parts of the world. So as they get more and more expanded in different places in the world, as those services become more popular, then I think, will and indeed most importantly, accepted by society, then I think we will see almost an exponential growth in some of these applications of drone technology and drone uses.
0: Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I think we all agree with that. I think there's, it's going to do nothing but expand and we will need a UTM to, to actually handle that. And make sure we do it safely. So, thanks, Mark. Uh, Thanks to the other Mark for joining with us, and thanks to James from our innovation team to help round all that together. Um, Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, An interesting sort of story into where we are with UTM at the moment. You can see James's uh, position paper on our CAA view on UTM uh, on our website at caa.co.uk forward slash cap one eight six eight. So take a look at that. That gives a good view of the future as usual um, please give us your feedback if there's anything you'd like us to cover on the podcast in the future let us know thanks very much see you next time thanks for listening this is caa on air